Thanks for tuning in to the Voyage Church Podcast. Our desire is that today's message will be significant for all of us on the voyage of becoming. All right, so if those guys were walking around and they didn't know what they were doing, it's not that. It's that I have a bunch of um, seeds up here on the, uh, the preaching table, and I was like, don't spill these, okay, because they're part of the sermon analogy. Um, and so, man, I'm super excited. So if, like I said, you're new here, welcome. We've been doing uh, not just like a short series, but a summer series called Live Life Well. Um, and you see, I see a lot of people wearing Live Life Well shirts, and you're, you're rocking the Voyage Church merch, which is awesome. I was in the mall the other day, and uh, we ran into some friends, and they had the, the green shirt and the coral shirt on, and all the way across the food court, I could see them at Chick-fil-A, of course, right? There's all this great Chinese food, you know, in a food court, and they're at Chick-fil-A, but I could see it, and I was like, oh, man, I love this. You're going to catch these things in Target and Lowe's, because y'all know Voyage Church people be at Lowe's all the time. Someone's doing some kind of project all the time in their house, um, but man, I'm just excited that we're able to be out in the community, and so, man, please, after service, the merch table will be open. The church is not, we're not making money off of that. Anything you're purchasing is really just covering the cost of what it costs for us to get that, and uh, so that you can... You know, people can ask you about it, and you can tell them about Voyage, and they can come here, and Jesus can mess their life up in the best way. Amen? Um, but we've been doing this thing called Live Life Well, and really what that means is we believe that the ways of Jesus is um, really the best way to live. Uh, I love talking with people who may be even a little skeptical on the things of God, and I'm like, look, him and his ways are just the best way to live. Whether you believe he's the son of God or not, I mean, there's honestly not a religion in the world that says, yeah, Jesus was a terrible person. There's a lot of people that say he wasn't the son of God, but he was a great man. I would push that a little bit farther and say he was either who he said he was or he was a lunatic. Because, I, mean, I mean, he said crazy stuff. He said stuff like, hey, you know, if someone slaps you on one cheek, you should turn the other and give them the other. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> That's one part of the Bible that just sits a little weird with me, Jesus. But he was saying stuff that was so outlandish, right? Like, why are you saying, he was either the son of God or he was a madman when it comes to the stuff he was preaching, right, and the things he was teaching. And so we really believe that his teachings, his, uh, his example, him as our savior and the one that we place our faith in, it allows us to live life well. Um, we're not called to be perfect. Um, he did that. You and I just get to walk in his grace and his mercy and we get to grow and on the voyage of following Jesus, you just become more and more like him. You'll see a statement as you walk around called the voyage of becoming. And that all kind of birthed from a place of Shauna and I in prayer saying, this is just all about becoming more and more like Jesus. And it doesn't end. I'm becoming more and more like him, whether I'm, you know, a teenager at youth camp or whether, um, you know, a young family or I've been following Jesus for 40 years, I'm constantly becoming more like him. And so that's what we're going to jump into. But before we do, I want to tell you about something that God's kind of positioning our church for really quick, okay? Um, I shared, if you were here in some of our early weeks, I shared about this Voyage vehicle that we want to get. Um, the purpose of this Voyage vehicle, <clears throat> I think they're going to put it on the screen for me. Um, and so we, we've been on the hunt for one of these like bread trucks or a snap-on mechanic truck, something uh, of this liking. Could be white. We also have a, a mock-up for a black one as well, just depending on what we find. And, uh, you know, when we stepped off, I told Sean, I was like, yeah, we can probably find one for like, you know, not, not too much money. And we started looking and we found some, but what we found was, have you ever seen a business buy a vehicle, put their branding on it, and then it breaks down and it just sits in front of their business? Yeah, Voyage Church, we, first off, we ain't got no place to park it, okay? Um, second of all, dude, we're on the move. We're on the go. And so as I talked with some of our overseers 
and just talking about investing money in something. What's the purpose of this, you might ask? The purpose is we got a trailer out here that's overloaded with tons of equipment, and we're always out serving. We're, we're popping those tents up, serving schools. We're at football games, soccer games. Like, we are out in the community, and we will always do this. Well, this truck will allow us to put all of our tables, our signs, our tents, all of our coffee stuff all of our coffee stuff, everything for serving, to where if I get a call from a church person that says, hey, my kid's got a soccer game this weekend, I talked with the person who's over it, they said we could bring our truck up. Dude, I could literally give someone the keys, throw you on the church insurance, just in case you know you get a little wild, and dude, let's show up and serve the city. And so as we started looking at some, we found one, and it was quite a bit more money um, than I was like expecting. But as I talked with our overseers, who you'll be hearing from in the next month, that uh, one of our overseers, Pastor Jason, who's actually um, from the church that Sean and I were on staff at for five years before we came here. And he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to talk with Voyage Church. I want you to give them a challenge. So here's kind of our first giving campaign as a church. I know some people are like, always asking for money. Okay, well, we're asking for money to serve people, so what's your problem? Um, but here, here, here's what I want to say. We're going to raise $20,000 as fast as our obedience is. And Pastor Jason said, Bold City will give us $10,000 if we can hit the twenty. And I was like, we got that. We got a generous church. I believe that that's going to happen. And so when they give us that 10000 dude, we're going to be able to move. And I'm just telling you what I found right now. Now, based upon how quick we step in obedience as a family, we'll determine this. But I found, I'm so jacked about this. I found a SWAT truck that only has 11,000 miles. This joker's blacked out. I'm like, throw the Voyage Church logo on it. Let's pull up like we're about to wreck the city. Let's go. So I'm praying right now, just no one buys it, okay? It's just like sitting on the internet. I called the guy's name's Franco. Like, I don't know if this is legit or not, but it's, it seems halfway legit. And, you know, we're, we're okay. Like, if it's a little shady, he'll get saved. We'll figure out what we got to do. I'm just saying, $20,000, our sending church has said, hey, we will give $10,000 once you hit that 20, and let's move on this thing. And let's bless the panhandle. So, look, you pray, whatever the Lord, and I want you to know I did this before we gave, or I did this after we gave, and I did that on purpose because I don't want to give some, I don't want to say something and be like, okay, everybody go give. No, we give because God's good. And then if the Lord lays this on your heart, this is above and beyond the tithe. This is an offering. If the Lord puts that on your heart, awesome. If not, no obligation. Um, just don't come up and be like, well, where's the truck at? Just be like, hey, man, just wait, waiting on people to step out, okay? Um, but, man, I'm excited about it. I really think this is going to be huge. And I know someone was like, why don't you buy another trailer? Well, another trailer means i got to have another truck, another person to pull it. This, it's all in one. It's ready to go. And let's be honest. This is just sick. I love it. We'll, dude, we'll put that thing in parades. Jonathan said he'll put our speakers on it and DJ the Christmas parade in Milton. I was like, yes, we will. So, look, man, I really believe we're going to be able to bless the city with this thing. One of my, the things I'm most excited about. I'll finish with this. Not that I ever want a hurricane to hit here, but let's just be honest, okay? It's imminent. We talked with the team, like, dude, let's pack that thing full of chainsaws and gas, and let's just hit people's yards and start cutting people out their driveways. Like, let's do it. So, um, man, if the Lord puts this on your heart to give, uh, I challenge you to step out in faith. And uh, that sets us up, because today I want to preach on the foundation of faith, the foundation of faith. So will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we love you. We thank you that you're the teacher of the word. I ask that you use me as a vessel today. God, that our faith would grow. God, that it wouldn't be stagnant. God, that faith is something that maybe we can understand in a deeper way today so that we can walk in it tomorrow. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, we've all heard it said. You've heard someone make the statement, just have faith. 
And a lot of times, even in like our society and our culture, that's not even maybe a thing that has anything to do with religion or, or Christianity. People are like, just have faith. And we're kind of using that language to be like, um, just, just hang on, just endure, just keep going. I think actually sometimes we should be using the word hope and we mix and use the word faith because we actually don't understand what faith is. But you can hear people say, man, just have faith, just have faith. And here's the reality about faith. Faith in its simplest form could be explained as it's to believe as if you can see in what is actually unseen. I'm going to say that one more time. Faith is to believe as if you can see in what you actually cannot see. Martin Luther, um, who kind of did the whole um, Reformation, and just because I'm quoting him doesn't mean that I hinge all of my theology based upon him, but he made a statement that I thought was very powerful. He said, faith is permitting ourselves to be seized by the things we do not see. Just think that one more time. Faith is permitting yourself to be seized by the things that you can't see. That when we're worshiping this love of God, when I wasn't there, when Jesus gave his life on the cross, I am seized by the reality that he would crawl on that cross that was my cross and die my death. I wasn't there to see it, but I'm permitting myself to be seized by that truth because I know it is true. I've placed my faith in it, and I'm a different person because of that. That's faith. So, and here's the thing about faith. We all have it. Like, if you're in this room, you're like, man, I don't believe in this, all this God stuff, whatever. That's okay. You still have faith. Use it every single day. Every single day of your life, you and I use faith. There's not a person in here, and if you think that you're like, man, you don't know what you're talking about, preacher. Come talk to me after service. I'll probably ask you two questions, and I'll show you. Oh, no, that's faith. The question is not if you have faith or not. The question is what's the object of your faith. So think about it. Driving a car. I mean, we're, we're in Pace, Milton. Just, just drive north a little bit and get on a country road. I mean, some of them are not even wide enough for two pickup trucks, y'all. And what separates you and someone else driving the speed limit is two yellow painted lines. You never met them. I mean, maybe you have because you lived here a while. I don't know. But the reality is, is you've got faith that they're going to stay on their side of the yellow lines. My, me and my dad were talking about this the other day. My mom and dad are in town, and, and, and I cycle. That's kind of like my, my thing that I do for physical health, but also just soul and mental, and so I cycle. So yesterday morning, I woke up. I rode 40 miles, and I left my house in pace, got on 90, went 90, scenic, rode scenic all the way down, kind of stopped, um, and then from scenic, turn around, and like at the bottom of it, turn around, come back up. And people are like, man, you ride on scenic? That's crazy. And I'm like, yeah, it is crazy. There's some crazy drivers. Um, there's a bike lane. I just try to stay in the bike lane and do my thing. But let's be honest. I'm just using some kind of faith. Of course, I trust that God's going to protect me. But just because God's going to protect me don't, let pe don't mean that people ain't stupid, right? And so I've just got faith that people are going to pay attention. I've got the lights and everything. But there's just faith being used. Think about it if you go to a restaurant. You go to a restaurant and you order a drink. Like, hey, can I have a Coke, please? You never say, I'd really like a Coke, but I'd like to follow you back to the kitchen because I want to make sure that, like, all the stuff's clean. Uh, I really like to make sure that you're not, like, pouring Clorox in it. You're not a psycho. Um, I just really need to see it to believe it. No, you order a drink. They bring it to you. You put a straw in it, and you drink it. And then even sometimes after we drink, it's like, oh, this tastes great. I'm sorry. I don't want to be this person, but can I get something else? But we've already enacted faith. I mean, you guys today, think about it. You walked in this room. I mean, I got here at 645 with a team, but I did not, as I looked through, see a single person walk in here 
pick up one of these chairs and inspect it to make sure every screw was where it should be, that it would hold you. You did not do that. And don't worry, we didn't either. So we used the same faith you did. We just put them out and be like, oh, pray it holds them, right? But that's faith. It's faith. You weren't there when it was built, when it was constructed, but you sat down believing that it would hold you. So the question is, what's the object of your faith? There's a man named Dr. Tony Evans. He said two things that really have stuck with me. The first one is this. Faith is only as meaningful as the substance in which you attach it to. Just think about that for a second. Faith in a chair and faith in Jesus are two totally different things. And here's the reality. There's no promise that a chair won't break. There's no promise that every driver drives perfect. And there's no promise that someone doesn't uh, accidentally put something in your drink. What I'm saying is, is there's no place that you can use faith and not be failed except for Jesus. Because he's the only one who doesn't fail. And so faith is as meaningful as the substance it's attached to. He said this as well. Faith is not a concept you visit. It's a lifestyle you possess. And that's the heart of Boyd's Church. As Jonathan said, we don't come here for Sunday visitations. We come here to be stirred up and equipped and empowered to have Monday from Monday habitation with God. I'm not waiting. When tomorrow hits, I'm not waiting for Sunday to encounter God. I'm going after God because I have a faith that's alive and it's growing. Amen? And that's my heart today as we break down the word of God that your faith would continue to grow. So in the kingdom of God, here's what happens. In the kingdom of God, we receive by faith. Faith is a, is a currency, if you will, in the kingdom of God. The other way I would say it is this. Faith is a conduit. Meaning, if I have this water hose, and you had something that needed to be watered, I could not just walk up with a water hose and be like, got you, bro. Got you. That work? No. Because this thing isn't actually what waters plants. It's the conduit through which has to be connected to a source that then brings water to a thing that needs to be watered. This is what faith is. Faith is the conduit which gets the things of God from God to us. And I can show you in scripture. First, um, look at John chapter one, verses 12 and 13. But to all who did receive him, everyone say receive, because a water hose is gonna receive from a source and it's going to move it somewhere else. For all of us, uh, he, uh, who did receive, he gave them the right, or another, some of translations translate that word right as power, okay? So remember that. He gave the right or gave the power to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were, who were born not of natural descent um, or of the will of the flesh um, or of the will of man, but of God. And here's what's interesting about that word, um, the right, being translated as right and power. So if you look in the book of Acts, there's the word power, and it's you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. But that's different than this word. So in Acts, it's the word dunamis. But in this scripture, it's um, a word that actually means a privilege given by authority. In other words, the power that you and I receive by faith is a privilege we receive to be sons and daughters of God. So faith in Jesus gives a person the rights, listen to this, faith in Jesus gives you and I rights that can only be obtained by placing your faith in him. You cannot place your faith in your spouse. You cannot place your faith in your career. You cannot place your faith in your gifts. I used to tell athletes this all the time. I talked to high school football players, basketball players, like, bro, you can think you're as good as you want to think in your mind, but I could introduce you to hundreds of guys who were better than you, who were faster than you, and it just took one knee injury that completely wiped out the faith that they had in a career because of one thing, right? 
And so faith in Jesus gives you and I rights that can only, we can only get by believing and trusting in him. So from this idea of faith, we learn a key thing that Jesus taught, and this is what he taught. He taught that faith can actually shift and move circumstances and people. I know that might sound weird, but I'll explain it. So faith, there's only three things in your life here and later that will last forever. Um, there, there is nothing that is promised to go on and on and on and on except for three things. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 3 tells us this. It says that these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. These three things will last forever. It tells us the greatest of these is love, which means if you ever meet a person who's like, I'm a person of faith, and I'm like, yeah, but you're rude too. You need to get some love because <laughs> the greatest of faith, hope, and love is love, okay? So you just meet some people who's like, I'm a faith person. I'm like, yeah, and I don't want to hang around you. Um, love is the greatest, right? So if you're a faith person, it's got to be rooted in love, but faith is a thing that can literally move circumstances. So read this passage with me. This is Matthew 17. Look at what happens. When they reached the crowd, a man approached and knelt before him, meaning Jesus. Lord, he said, have mercy on my son because he has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus replied, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Dang, this is telling you my son's having some problems. You know, his response wasn't directly to the man. But it was to the guys who were watching Jesus walk in faith, but then they weren't walking in that same example. And so it goes on and it says, um, bring him here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And from that moment, the boy was healed. Then the disciples approached Jesus privately. Hey, why couldn't we drive it out? Hey, Jesus. I'm just a little embarrassed. Everybody's staring. Why, why, couldn't, why couldn't I do that? I tried the same thing. I said the same thing you did. And Jesus responds with this, because of your little faith. Everyone say little faith. And then he told them, for truly I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, and that makes sense, right? Because mustard seeds are massive. And so a massive mustard seed is better than, oh, no, 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 actually that doesn't make sense. So Jesus, you just said because of your little faith. And then you're going to liken this to telling me if I have faith the size of a mustard seed, I can tell a mountain or a situation or a circumstance to move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for me. Thanks for answering my question, Jesus. How come I couldn't do it? Because you got small faith. Oh, okay. What do I need to do? You need to have faith the size of a mustard seed. Jesus, that made no sense. Unless, I don't know if you've ever seen a mustard plant. I, I was going to get one to the guys, but um, if we were to just say we're outside and we plant one here, untouched, just allowing it to just grow, it literally could grow, it, it could grow to the top of the ceiling, but it could grow so wide that it could cover this entire stage if it was unkept. This tiny seed does a massive thing. Jesus wasn't saying, you have little faith, so let me give you little faith and you can do great things. No, no, no. He says, you have little faith because you believe in me, you're with me, but you don't think that you have to grow beyond where you are. So I need you to get faith. It'll start small in seed form, but you had little faith. That's why you couldn't do it. You need growing faith. Don't miss what I'm saying. Jesus is saying, you need growing 
faith. Faith is what allows us to be, is what allows us to be graced the ability to move mountains. And, and remember, faith, again, is not the thing that does all the work. Faith is what allows the power that does the work to get to you. So Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says this. You are saved, any church people grew up, you might have learned this one. You are saved by grace through faith. Notice how that scripture reads. You're not saved by faith through grace. It's grace that saves you and I. It's grace that allows us to be free in Jesus. But do you know how grace got to you? Through faith. A conduit. Through Jesus, I believe. And through faith traveled grace to get to you and I. See, salvation can't be ours unless there's a foundation of faith first. In other words, you can't build your life on the ways of God unless there is first faith. I thought about, I thought about those t-shirts. You ever seen one? But first, coffee. You ever seen those? Or the little cheesy signs? But first, coffee. Or like a teacher walks in with a coffee cup that says, but first coffee. I'm like, well, I would assume that would make sense. You got a coffee cup, but okay. I just thought about a t-shirt that says, but first, faith. Like, it's not, I just, I gotta need your grace. No, no, no. You need everything God has. But without faith, none of that's getting to you and I. Pastor, I just need you to come. I need you to pray for my friend. They're really, really dealing with something. I just need you. Well, do you need me? Because you think that my faith can be greater than your faith? Because I can have a mustard seed of faith, and you can have a mustard seed of faith, and we can both have growing faith. Unless you're saying you don't want faith that grows, and you'd rather someone who you think is more spiritually elite to do the thing that you are actually called by Jesus to do. I'll come pray for you, friends. I'm just saying we desire to see a church grow in faith to a point that it's not me going, well, I, me and Shauna got to show up everywhere. No, 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 no. We've got a group of people. Why we all meet, might be at different places in our faith journey or in our faith voyage, if you will, it is a growing faith. We are not, you plant seeds, not rocks. Rocks don't have anything in them with the potential to grow. Seeds do. So someone can look and be like, that's all you got? And I'm like, oh, see, you think it's all about what I have now. But I understand that planting is all about what will come later. But see, we live in a, in a culture and society, we want everything fast, fast. Can you believe how slow the Starbucks line was? Fast, fast, fast. But everything in the kingdom of God, every analogy Jesus uses, he talks about planting. We'll talk about this at the end of the message. But seed, time, harvest. Seed, time, harvest. That word time some of us are like, seed, harvest, make it happen. I don't know if anybody grew up, but I'm maybe showing my age. And then some of y'all are going to laugh like, dude, it's not, you're not showing your age. You're young. But um, anybody uh, Spy Kids fan, watched the movie Spy Kids growing up, all my generation people, I'm still blown away by the fact that she put that little packet in a microwave and turned to a Big Mac meal. I was like, when they coming out with that? That's incredible. You don't even have to go wait in line. It's just, it's there because we don't want time. But that is the beauty of faith. Is faith grows over time. So let me show you a couple things about faith. Hebrews chapter 10. So there's this passage we're going to read in a second, Hebrews 11. That's the faith chapter. But I got to read you 10 to set up 11. Look what happens in Hebrews 10, 38. It says, and my righteous ones will live by faith, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction, 
We are the faithful ones. Can I just say, Voyage Church today, we are the faithful ones. I didn't say perfect. Jesus didn't ask for perfect. He asked for faithful. And we can be faithful because he was first faithful. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. So Hebrews 10 sets up 11. You move to chapter 11, and it says, Now faith is the reality of what was hoped for, and it's the proof of what is not seen. People are going to say, man, how can you believe in that? How could you put your faith and trust in that? Because it is the reality of what I've hoped for, and it's the proof. Look at my life. You might, not, you might say, I can't see God, but just look at my life, and you can't not see God. You can't not see his goodness, his faithfulness, his grace, his mercy. It says, by, uh, for by this our ancestors were approved. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. Why was Abel's better than Cain? It wasn't because one was better than the other. One gave the first fruits. One gave just a portion. God desires the first, Right? He desires the first. It says, by faith, he was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts. And even though he is dead, he still speaks through his faith. Do not miss this scripture. When you place your faith in Jesus, I don't care if you're 14 or 44 or you're going to be gone in the next few months and that's your time. I'm telling you that when you place your faith in Jesus, it says that even Abel, though he's dead and he's gone, his faith still speaks. This is why when people are like, man, I want to leave a legacy. I want to make a mark on the earth. The only way that you'll do it, the only way that you can speak after you're gone is by faith in Jesus because Jesus is the one that lives. He's the one that killed death. That is where we place our faith and our story continues to speak. Amen. It says, it still speaks through his faith. By faith, Enoch was taken away, so he did not experience death. He was not, found, uh, he was not to be found because God took him away. For before he was taken away, he was approved as the one who pleased God. Now listen, this is important, what it's saying about Enoch. He had faith that pleased God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Man, why do you show up week in and week out when you're tired, when you're weary, when things aren't going good? Because I believe the word of God. I have faith that he rewards those who diligently seek him. I've seen him do it time and time again. If he's done it for me, he can do it for you. If he did it for me then, he can do it for me now. He's faithful. And that's why we place our faith in him. So it takes faith to walk in the promises of God. There's a promise in Romans 8.1. It says, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. You could be sitting in this room right now. You hear about the grace of Jesus and the goodness of Jesus. But the reality is, if we started talking about struggles, addictions, your past, shame, regret, some of us immediately begin to lock up. Because there's some things that you even are, are fearful to bring to Jesus because you don't want to have to deal with the healing that might have to happen for you to be completely whole. But I'm here to tell you today that because of the promises of Jesus, the greatest thing that you could ever do, if you've ever felt condemned, I don't know if anybody in here feels ashamed because of something in your life that you did or that someone did to you. Or if you're in here today and you feel regret because of something you did or something someone did to you, can I tell you that one of the greatest ways to grow your faith is to get alone with God, you and God, you and God, not on Sunday, you and God, express your faith and do something like this. If the Bible tells us, if the Bible tells us that there's no condemnation, there's no shame, there's no regret, you do understand a lot of people will come to church and be like, man, every time I go to church, it's just, I feel like it's just like feel bad for your sins. The gospel is not shame on you. The gospel is shame off you. 
You get to be free. You get to walk in freedom. It's not shame on you. If you've ever walked into church and felt someone was saying, shame on you for living this way, I am sorry. It's not the kingdom. The kingdom says shame off you. Walk free. Son, daughter, walk in your purpose. This is how you fight that. You want to see how you grow your faith? It's something like this. How do you handle when you're feeling condemned or shame or regret? You get alone with God and you do something like this. Father, I feel like there's such a deeper representation of who you are in me. And there's so much my heart is crying out to become, but I can't strive for it. So I'm just going to thank you for what you're doing. You are working in my life. I'm thanking you for the places you're taking me. You are doing a good thing in me. And I'm everything you say that I am. I'm forgiven. I'm free. I'm purposed. I'm called. I've got destiny on my life. Why? Because I can grow my faith by declaring what God says about me, not necessarily what I feel about me. This is how your faith begins to grow. What does God say that you are? What does God say that you are? You don't need culture to tell you who you are. What does God say that you are? And then don't just come to church and be like, that was really good what the preacher said. That was awesome. I wish I could hear that every day. You can. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Do you know that your faith won't grow any faster than when you hear you say the word of God? You can come hear me all day. But something happens on the inside when you begin to speak the word of God over your life. I'm forgiven, I'm free, I'm purposed, I'm called. There's this story, I don't have time to read all of it, but it's, a, it's Jesus walking through a crowd. There's a, there's a woman who's had an issue of blood. Because of mixed company, I'm not gonna go too deep into this, but ladies, let's just say she had an issue of blood for 12 years, okay? Um, she tried everything. She spent all of her money. Doctors, I mean, she went to, to magicians, she went to wizards, all sorts of kind of people. She's willing to do anything. She hears about Jesus doing these miraculous healings, and she hears that Jesus is walking through town. Now, because of her condition, she would have been considered unclean. She's not allowed to go in and be in society. She's not allowed to touch people. If she touches someone in society, they would be deemed unclean, and they would be asked to go sit outside the city gate, okay? So she, she's like breaking major rules here, covers herself up, and starts charging through the crowd. Now, Jesus is walking through the crowd. She charges through, and the Bible says she touches the hem of his garment, just the edge of his clothing. She touches him. And the Bible says instantly she's healed. Instantly she's healed. Instantly she's healed. This is crazy. When that happens, Jesus goes, who touched me? Now, mind you, this stuff makes no sense. And Jesus does this often. I can't just, it would have been fun just to hang around the disciples and be like, bro, I'm just confused again. I don't know. I was confused yesterday. I'm more confused today. But for some reason, I just quit everything and followed this dude for three years. But I'm lost. How's life? I don't know. I don't even know where I'm going tomorrow. He said there's no place to sleep. I don't even, I don't even know I'm following him. The disciples go, what do you mean who touched you? The reason they say what do you mean is because they were in such a large crowd because there was commotion. They were touching people like crazy. They were bumping up to people, and Jesus says, no, 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 you don't understand. Power left me. Someone touched me with faith. Could you imagine being in a crowd of people literally bumping up next to Jesus And nothing happens to you because you just touched him without faith. But one woman said, I'll press through. And if I touch him with faith, here's what's actually crazy. She just had this longing to be healed. And she just believed after trying everything else, he's got to be the only one. The Bible says, power leaves. He said, he touched me. And then it says the woman falls on her knees and tells the truth. It was me. Like Jesus didn't know. But she tells all of the truth. And this is very important because the woman was healed when she touched Jesus. But you know what's interesting? What Jesus told her. He said, woman, your faith has made you well. 
In other words, if she would have just snuck out of the crowd and been like, nope, I'm healed, I'm good, I'm out, here we go, she'd have left healed. But I don't know if she would have left knowing, oh, that was by faith. This is why we have to be told and taught what the things of God are and grow in those things. Because when he said it was your faith that made you well, you know what it taught her in that moment? So I just need to have a belief like that. And miracles can move from through you to me. I'm just getting started. I'm just getting started. I I want you to see what happened in this moment. Crazy thing is, in that whole scenario, it actually was Jesus being asked by a man named Jairus to come heal his 12-year-old daughter. But he gets interrupted by the woman. Now, at this point, this woman scenario is happening. Jairus gets word, says, never mind, my daughter died. And Jesus responds to Jairus, which he was on his way to his sick daughter. He said, only believe. This word believe is rooted in the idea of you need to have faith. Nothing is impossible with me. Even when you said, come to my daughter who's sick, now that she's dead, you think it's too far gone. But sometimes I'll let something go from bad to worse just so that I can do a greater miracle than what you thought you wanted. So now he goes to Jairus' house, and I love the Bible. It says he leans over. He actually kicks everyone out of the house, Jesus only. Walk up into a house that ain't his and say, get out. That's what Jesus needs to do in some of your lives with the addictions and the sin and the demons and the things that are bounding you up is just open the door, let him in, and let him kick things out that have no business there. He kicks it out, he leans over, and he does the most Medea thing on the planet. He says, little girl, get up. I mean, it's literally, go read it. It says, little girl, get up. And the, when you read it, you're going you're gonna to go, little girl, get up. You're going to go, oh, my gosh. I don't know why. It's just the way Jesus said it. It says, little girl, get up. And she sat up, and she was healed. You know what's crazy about the woman with 12 years of issue of blood and a 12-year-old girl? The number 12 in the Bible represents divine order. And so the thing where someone was like, oh, she died. It didn't work. God said, no, I've got divine order. I'm doing the exact thing that I know I need to be doing because you thought you wanted a sick person healed, but I wanted a dead person alive. This is the God we serve, and when faith is enacted, things happen. And so here's how we're going to close. I'm going to give you five things about faith. There's a measure of faith. There are measures of faith, and I want you to see there's five different measures, and I want you to search your heart and ask yourself, where am I in this place of faith? And there's not a, oh, I'm here, I'm good. There's no place where you're good. Wherever you are, there's only one place to go from there, and that's called growing. So wherever you find yourself on the measures of faith, you've got to be in growing faith. Romans 12, 3 through 6, it says that faith is measurable. It's the Greek word metron. And so here's some measures of faith. Look at this. Number one is what we would call no faith. We see this in Mark 440. Jesus rebukes the winds and the waves because the disciples are freaking out. And he says, why do you have no faith? The Greek word there actually means, it means absolutely negative. Meaning that they were in a boat with Jesus and chose to not have faith. Because they allow their circumstances to define what's going on in them rather than the one who lives in them. Don't miss this because you are going to encounter things in life and it's going to get crazy. It's going to get chaotic. You're going to get frustrated. I just hope that I can encourage you a little bit today that to be a Christian doesn't mean easy. It means worth it. It means we're the ones who are faithful. We're the ones that endure to the end. The world's going to get darker and things are going to get crazier. But we're the ones who are saved. 
We're in, and what is this? Is this some exclusive thing? No, this is all inclusive. This is hit the streets and let any and everyone know that they are invited into this kingdom, a kingdom of light, and that in this place, we will endure to the end. This is the kingdom of God. And so you can be in no faith. And I just want you to know, if you feel today, you're like, man, that's me. It's no faith. That's okay. Because if you're in no faith, today you just get a seed. You get a seed. The second one is this, little faith or lack of faith. Matthew 16, 8, Jesus, um, he, he said to them, he said, you of little faith. And then in Matthew 13, 55, he talks about lack of faith. This is what happened. He's in his own hometown, and look at this. It says, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't, this Mar- uh, isn't, isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And aren't all of his sisters with us? Where did this man get all these things? And then they took offense at him. Everyone say offense. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. In other words, it wasn't that Jesus walked in his own hometown and was like, sorry, power stopped working. Uh, power surge, my bad. Next time, next time I'm on tour, I'll come back through, get you guys. You know, tour bus broke down. Sorry. No, no, no. It says he didn't do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Jesus showed up in a town with power. People didn't have anything to attach the power to. In his own hometown, there was a lack of faith. You and I can be caught in places of little or lack of faith, but notice the lack of faith. It says they're going, who is this guy? Where did he get all this from? And what does it say? It says they took offense at him. If you're in this room today and you hold an offense against someone, I want to let you know that it will position you for lack of faith. And God wants to set you free today. He wants, just as he's forgiven you, he wants you to let go of that so that you can experience a growing faith. And number three is just that. Number three is growing faith. You see it in um, Matthew 17, 20. Mark 4.32 and 2 Thessalonians 1.3. And the fourth one is this, great faith. Matthew 8.10 is a very interesting scripture. I shared it a few, days, uh, a few weeks ago. It says that there's a man who's a Roman centurion and that he has a sick servant. And he doesn't even come to Jesus. He sends another servant to go to Jesus and say, hey, just say the word and my, my, my servant will be healed. And Jesus turns around to Jewish people and says, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. This is great faith. You know, Jesus was amazed two times by faith in the Bible. Great faith and lack of faith. The two times the Bible says he's amazed by faith. And the number five is this. So we talked about a second ago. All faith. 1 Corinthians 13, 2. It says that you can prophesy and it says you can have all faith. But if you have not love. So can I just tell you today about a growing faith? A growing faith has to have the right environment, and I'm telling you, the greatest environment for your faith to grow is in the love of God. I'll read you one more scripture. Matthew 13, three through nine says this. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and birds came and devoured them, and other seed fell on rocky um, ground where it did not have much soil, and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it out. And still other seed fell on good ground. Everyone say good ground. And it produced fruit, some 100, some 60, some 30 times what was sown. And then he says, this is what Jesus says at the end. He says, let anyone who hears listen. So in other words, 
come to church, have an encounter with God. Yes, God, like I just, I, I, I love you. I, I gave my life to Jesus. I, I got baptized, and what happens? It's like, man, I got baptized, and, and I'm just so excited, and, and I'm going to go out, and, and, and man, I, people have been in struggles like me. I'm still in some struggles, but I'm going to go help some people who are in the same struggles as me, and it's, it's going to be awesome. But the problem is because maybe you haven't grown and your faith has not grown to a place that you can handle certain things, you've thrown seed out on something and it dries up. Or you throw seed into a relationship like, I got saved and I know she's not saved, but, but she'll get there. And so we'll just, you know, I'll love Jesus. She might love Jesus or vice versa. Ladies, you might be like, I'm the one that's going to win him to Jesus. Listen, girl, he don't need you to win him to Jesus. He needs Jesus to win him to Jesus. And so we'll scatter seed into a relationship that ends up choking out what God's doing. And I'm telling you, the only place that you and I can see our faith grow is in the soil of God's love. And what is the soil of God's love? Well, David says, he who plants himself in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of their God. This is why the church is not a building. Give us an elementary school. Give us a covered area 105 degrees outside. People are going to get saved because the love of God is present and faith is being sown. And when faith is being sown, then things begin to grow. Um, bear with me because um, I'm doing this because the Bible says it. And this is the analogies they use. Your boy, Anna Gardner. My wife bought me some, some soil here. See, some of us are like, man, I just want God to do something miraculous. Like, I got faith. I got faith. I got faith. Yeah, the problem is we can have faith, but we have faith and we don't have the soil, the right place to put the seed of faith. And when we don't have the right place to put the seed of faith, we end up scattering it somewhere. We get burned out. We get burdened. We get overwhelmed. And then we find ourselves saying what, as a youth pastor for years, I'd meet parents that'd be like, yeah, we used to be involved in such and such church. Why is the used to be there? So you, you believe or you did believe, but where'd you scatter the seed? Because when you begin to stir up the love of God, knowing that you're forgiven, that you're free, that you gather in community, and the soil is there, here's what happens. You take a seed, and you place it in the love of God. Lord, I have to trust what Jesus did for me. It's seed. I'm placing this faith of seed. And then you know what's got to happen, right? And I started going to church. I just feel buried by life. I place my faith in Jesus, and I, can't, I don't even feel like I can see it anymore. I just feel like it's completely gone. What in the world is going on? God, you've forgotten me. God, you've abandoned me. I know that I placed that seed of faith there, and I look, and it's gone. It's buried. It's dead. No, 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 no. You bury things that are dead. But you also bury things that have the ability to grow and bring life. Many of us will mistaken, God, you've forgotten me. And he says, no, that was seed. This is time. Remain faithful. There's a harvest coming. I'm going to restore your marriage. Your son or daughter is going to come back to Jesus. I'm going to heal that ailment. You continue to hang on there. Seed, there's time, and there's harvest. Don't you give up on the time where God's doing something that you might not be able to see. But that's faith anyways, is believing in the thing that that way which I cannot see, truly knowing that he's working in the waiting. He's working in your waiting. You place the seed. You trust God. You get it, you get it good and set in the soil of God's love, in his house, in the community of faith. And I know you want to give up. I know the moments when you're like, God, where are you? God, I've been faithful. I've shown up can't even find it anymore. 
And he says, it's because I've got to put roots down before anything sprouts up. Hold on, son. Hold on, daughter. Seed, time, harvest. Seed, time, harvest. He's working in your waiting. He's working in your waiting. He's faithful. He's faithful. I'm just here to tell someone today, I don't care if you feel like you're in a place of no faith or a place of little or lack of faith, all it takes. There's a song I've been singing uh, written by a, a group called Elevation, and it says, if you believe for a little today, you can believe for a lot tomorrow. It only takes a seed of faith. Let it grow, let it grow. And as I was praying over you, I was singing it this week. Uh, I, I love it so much, I want to sing it now, but y'all would be like, cool, praise God, he don't lead worship. You believe for a little today. You believe for a lot tomorrow. Some of us want to believe for a lot today. But it's the seed of faith. Don't get discouraged by this. Don't get discouraged by this. He's faithful. He's working on your behalf. Those of you praying for children, maybe to have children. Maybe you're in here and you're praying for a child who's walked away. Keep sowing seeds of faith. Going to God. Praying the word over them. Some of you are praying. I was just talking with someone the other day who's just praying, believing for a job change. They're in our small group. I mean, we're just praying with them. We're just sowing seeds of faith. They show up to our group on Wednesday night. They get to eat with us, and then they have to leave and go to work. And they're like, man, I feel so bad. I'm like, don't you dare feel bad. This is seeds of faith. You drive yourself all the way here to only be able to hang out to eat, to not even be able to do the part where we, we get into the word, and you think there's something wrong with it when there's nothing wrong with it. God sees seeds of faith. Seeds of faith. As we're this young church with just tons of little ones running around and more on the way, can I just ask our church something, whether you have kids or not? Man, I, I, I prayed over some youth and leaders this morning at 5 a.m. I, I got here at 4.45 in this parking lot. They started pulling up, packing into vans. One of them was a black van, one was a white van. I called one white chocolate and one the black knight. I said, take your pick. And one of them had a few more leaders in it. And I walked over to the van before they took off and I said, listen to me. I need you guys to be for these students what you wish you would have had when you were in 10th grade. I need you to be for these students this week. I need you to sow seeds of faith. I need when they're down at the front and they just know the presence of God is moving, but they don't know what's going on, you put your arm around them and you sow seeds of faith. And can I just say that we will be a church, and, and, and please know my heart when I say this, it just breaks my heart when I see churches that have gotten to a point where people, are they're just waiting on people to hit the point of ending life, and then the church is just going to kind of be over. And I just think that the church should never just be over, because it's the only thing the gates of hell won't prevail against. So can we just agree together that this place will constantly reach the next generation, we'll sow seeds of faith, and if Jesus hasn't come back, then we're going to continue to see seed, time harvest. Man, we're going to do things. We're going to invest in the next generation. We might think, where are these students at? We've been praying. And then boom, after time, harvest happens. Can we just agree to be the people who will do that? The church that will never stop going after the ones that God is bringing up. And can I tell you what the majority of young people are in need of? Just someone to sow a seed of faith. Parents, if you got teenagers in the room, listen to me carefully. I spent 12 years with them. Okay, I know I don't have my own yet. But I promise you, I'm going to take that which I did for them for 12 years, and I'm going to do for my own. I watched our six-year-old grow up around teenagers. All she knew was just youth ministry. 
three years old, she's walking at the altar laying hands on people. It's all she's ever known. And can I just tell you, parents, that they don't need you to doubt them anymore. They just need some seeds of faith. I, I, I know they're not perfect. They know they're not perfect. If you have a young person in the room, I just encourage you. I just, as the Bible says, we spur one another on to love and good works. We just sow, sow some seeds of faith. You pray for him. Try to pray for him right there. Like, Mom, quit. That's fine. You can walk to your room. My prayer still works. You keep praying. Seed, time, harvest. Will you stand to your feet? I don't know what you're praying for. I don't know what you're wanting to believe for. But I know this sounds crazy. Man, I did not. Hey, um, I need JJ, run right back through here. And in the green room back there, there's a, you can go, okay, however, I mean, that's fine. You can do it that way. Um, go into the room back there. There's a bag of seed. Uh, you'll see it on the ground. Will you grab me that bag of seed? Uh, the band's going to lead us. I know we're a little bit longer today, but I promise the team back there is going to take care of them. It's going to go another five minutes or so. I'm going to get some of this seed, and I'm just going to scatter it. And, man, I, just, just as a sign of faith, if you're here and you're like, man, there's something I'm believing God for. There's something. I'm going to ask that you just come up here. You have a moment with God. Maybe that's you and your spouse, you and your family, whatever that looks like. But I'm going to ask that you take a seed. And, and don't judge me. The bag is a bag of bird seed, okay? Seed is in limited supply, all right? Everything's. So don't go, like, plant this. Like, Pastor Ron, it didn't work. Well, I understand. It's supposed to feed the birds. Um, just stick with me, all right? Actually, Dad, will you do that? We just kind of on the... Um, just on the tile. <clears throat> and so in these next few moments, just do business with God. And I don't care if you feel like, well, I'm just a person of no faith. Today you're a person of taking a seed of faith and you've got growing faith. Well, I'm just a person of little or lack of faith. Okay, well, that little or lack of faith is becoming growing faith today. Well, I'm a person of great faith. Cool. Set your pride down and continue to grow. You're a person of growing faith. I've got all faith. No, you don't. Stop lying. You ain't Jesus. You're a person of growing faith. Wherever you are today, you're a person of growing faith. You're stepping into that, whatever that looks like. You come grab one of these just, again, as a sign of faith. I'm not telling you you have to, but I'm telling you something happens when you move. Something Something happens when you just say, God, I trust seed, time, harvest, seed, time, harvest. Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus. God, you're working in the waiting. God, we thank you that we can plant our lives in the soil of your house. God, in your love. And so right now, God, we just take seeds of faith. And God, we believe for a little today. But God, we're going to believe for a lot tomorrow. God, we're going to continue to just grow. So Father, we thank you that in this moment, God, God, that you are stirring up people's faith. Wherever we find ourselves in the measure of faith today, Today, we are people of growing faith. Holy Spirit, we ask that you move right now in Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to check us out on thevoyage.church to stay updated on everything God is doing in our city.